been over three years since I actually did a sermon. Um, the only reason I remember because COVID just started around that time. But many of you know that I've been through a, a journey myself of uh, health, uh, quite severe. And uh, often when we look back, we have lessons to learn. And uh, hopefully I've learned a few of those lessons. But uh, it's interesting today. And I love the fact that Ben has a good handful of different uh, people that preach from the pulpit. Because you not only get different personalities and perspectives, you get different giftings and that sort of thing. And, and, and many of you know that my particular gifting, and it's at my age, it's uh, been out there to be looked at and whether it's uh, relevant and whether it's uh, real is more of a prophetic thing. And uh, I think a little while ago, a few months ago, I shared with Ben, as I often do from time to time, and share with him what I sense. And when you have three years of a, a break from you know, sharing a sermon, you, you get to look at your own life in particular and the life of your church and our congregation. And also I, I take a fair bit of uh, interest and ears what's going on, especially if you have um, YouTube and you see a lot of things around the world that's happening from church perspectives, types of churches and all that sort of thing. And I've never been a fan of looking at that sort of church things because you sort of know it happens and, and that sort of thing. But it from my perspective, it's healthy to see what is ha- happening and what has been portrayed there about the church and, and what the world's perspective of the church is. So if we have that scripture, Micah 6.8, and I did, as I said, I shared with Ben uh, a month ago or in recent times about what I sensed God was showing me about. And my concern was when I look at these things on TV is so many of the big ministries and well-known ministries uh, in America and Australia in particular, the Western church, has been taken through the mill and put up for show and exposed. And right or wrong, and my thing is not to look at that, but even under, oh, is it the enemy doing that or is, is it God allowing it? And uh, if we look at the last bit there, if I duck down, I'm not that too, to walk humbly with your God... <clears throat> How many know that's an easy thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> but during our, before the church today, we had uh, that business meeting and, and as I was sitting there, the trouble is when you sort of have that prophetic radar, you're always getting messages. You find that? When you, you know, you're tuned in with God, God's telling you something. Now, is that just for me or is that for someone else or is that for the church? And during the meeting, I felt like God was saying that, we as a church and we as a people at times need to be audited. I'd never heard that mentioned. You say, oh, well, that's not scriptural. Well, King David said, search me, O oh God. Why? Because at times things in our own life are hidden from our own understanding. And this thing here, the opposite of humility is pride loves to go undetected yet it pushes itself there. And humility is one of those things that was probably foreign to me in my early days. But you know, every one of you, if you're a Christian, have experienced a major time of humility in your life. And you know what goes with humility? All the time is repentance. Repentance. And I used to struggle when Judy and I said, I've been in a church for this long or I've looked at this minister and I said, I just feel awkward that these ministers come and share or leaders or preachers, whoever they are, for so long and we talk about these topics and and things we need to take on board as Christians, but 
I'd love to see an example. Where, or, not, or an example shared of something in their life where God has revealed what it is. Because when you look in the scripture, King David as an example, um, Moses, you know, they, their lives, they, God humbled them or allowed them to go through a process which was very humbling. Moses was courageous, King David was courageous and God said, I can use them. Or could he? Many times it was many years where he had to deal with one issue, pride, and humble them. Let's look at a scripture. The first one, the slide, I didn't do it. Janita did it for me, so I can't claim the first one there. We've got Philippians. Have I got it in the right order? I probably haven't. What, what's the first one we got there? No, no, next one, please. Have we got another one? Beautiful. Okay. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. There's a good example of how to put humility into practice right there, a simple one. Four, this is important. This is why we need to be audited. And I believe the Holy Spirit has audited the Western church at least. Is he auditing our church? I believe he has been or he is. God resists the proud. God resists the proud. So if we're not learning and, and choosing and deciding to walk in humility, what comes in? Pride. And then God resists us. And then we wonder, where's God in this? Where's God in this? Well, you took yourself in the driver's seat. That was my problem. Therefore, humble yourselves. I want to tell you that it's easier to humble yourself than let God humble you. It's least, less painful. Uh, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Okay, 1 Peter. And I'm going to flip over. I've actually opened it up here into Proverbs 16, 18. We've got a, I don't think we've got a slide. Have we got a slide of Proverbs there? We've only got just a few scriptures on slides. And I didn't do it. But Proverbs says this, so I don't, and I've changed the order already. That's, that sort of really helps. You know this one. Everybody knows it, whether you're a Christian or not. Pride goes before a fall. And haughtiness, uh, sorry, pride goes before uh, destruction and haughtiness before a fall. That's my version. This is a message, and I think the series that Ben had is, is a season for the church. Why? Because we're bad people or a bad church? No. Many of Paul's letters to the churches were audits. The book of Revelation to the seven churches was an audit of how they're going. God loves us too much to leave us where we are. And he wants us to look at ourselves and as a congregation, how are we going? If I was to put up my hand and say to you, how many of you know in your life or this church Humble people. I can think of a few people in this church. Just their nature and personality. And how many are attracted to those people. It's just great spending time with them. But I believe also there's a word and a time and, an, and a warning. Because auditing, why do we have audits? Because we want to make sure. Because we have it at school. I get my work shed audited. 
you know, and I come in, I was worried about it, you know, because you've got to do all the things legally and, and, and safety and all that sort of thing. But it's to protect us. And one of the things I've probably never heard in my Christian life of 40 odd years, whatever it is now, I can't remember, I'm not going to rack my brain to go there. <laughs> I haven't really heard too many of those sermons about this is how you do it. And I think we need to at times know that. Is the church, when you look, if you're like me and you look on YouTube or you listen to current affairs, what is the church known for? Today's church in the West. What would be known for? Is it our humility? Don't you think that's a sad thing? You know, because you can be a humble person and some say, oh, you're deceived. When I was a young Christian, you know, you're brainwashed. But they never said, oh, you're a big head. Or you, but sadly, some people think you judge others. You think you're better than others. Because the Bible does say that the world isn't going to understand this. And you're going to have persecution. But it says, but let yourself have a reputation that people cannot throw a stone at the gospel because you're living a life of humility. And even though it may be like an audit to see, well, how are we going? Are we prideful? The thing is, when you look at it, it says, because you've chosen to humble yourselves individually and as a congregation, as a church, and it says, therefore, I can elevate you. I can raise you up for people to see and bring glory. The Bible says bring glory to Christ. It's powerful. Humility, oh, you know, I'm... You know, who are you? But you know, the sad thing for me is when you talk to people, especially my generation, and they've had trouble, and I have, with the next generation, the other generation. Oh, the generation, and I've been guilty. I can be a whinger as, as good as any of them. Ah, oh, this current generation, the young generation, they don't have respect, they don't have this, and they don't, and at school, they don't pick up their mess, and you know, and I'm forever whinging about that. Did you know God, I used to, I, this is a revelation to me. I used to think Jesus humbled himself. The scripture says that. He took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself, made himself, laid aside all his glory, his godliness, and took on that form. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's right. But I never really realised that God himself, the creator, is the author of humility. How powerful is that? No trouble in thinking God is all-powerful. He has all knowledge. Beyond comprehension, but the humility of God is perhaps one of the most overlooked and underappreciated virtues. Isn't it? That's our God. No wonder people have an idea of God that he's the judge and he's going to judge you and condemn you, but he is merciful he said, if you've seen Jesus and his life, that's him. That's me, he says. And how they can't see Jesus now, but they can see you. And I want to tell you, I've, Judy will tell you, I, I used to pride myself, even as a Christian, in my argument. Oh, boy. I used to, I'd come back, I won that argument. I was out witnessing on the street in the mall, Early days, you know, 30 odd years ago when we moved to Adelaide, 
and I'd meet up with people, uni students, anti-God, you know, whatever, and I'd have a debate with them, an argument, and I thought, wow, I think I won that. <laughs> and I walked away and I thought, what's changed? I had no humility. It should not astound us that God calls us to a life of humility, nor should we be caught off guard in discovering that this is the path that Jesus chose for himself. In Philippians 2, and while I'm turning there, if we can find that slide of Philippians, it's a good one. Hey, there we go, we've got it. Well done. Philippians 2 and verse 1. I'll look at the second part of verse 1. Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one heart and purpose. Who's he talking to? The church. Talking about relationships as Pastor Ben said. It's about relationships. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. Another example how humility works. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourself. Don't think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. You know what the enemy says? We take on the thoughts and the phrases and the comments of the world. I keep it to myself. I mind my own business. You know what the Lord showed me a week ago? He said in the church we think, do you know that you don't get on with, you're probably going to rub together like that, annoy someone in the church. I'm sorry, Christina, but that's, you know, that. I like to think that I like everybody and everyone likes me, but how many knows that's not true? It's not true. And you know what I've found the easiest thing to do? is not go through the process of humility because when you rub someone the wrong way or they don't like you, I used to get so frustrated. I said, Judy, why don't they like us? What have I said? What have I done? I haven't done nothing to them. And they, but you know what we do in the church? We ignore people. Sounds a little bit like sitting on the fence, doesn't it? We don't fight or flight, but we just go quiet. We nod, good morning, how are you? What does humility say to us? Have you tried to connect and relate to that person? But they're not like me. They don't think like me. And some of the, their values are slightly different. I'm not talking about fundamental foundational stuff. I'm talking about just thoughts and how we think and style. And I think our Western church is full of Christians. I'm telling you, when I say full, a lot. They're quiet towards other Christians. We don't socialise with them. You don't have to. You can't socialise with everybody. But if there's, a, if there's that thing there and I feel uncomfortable with that person, how many years are we going to put up with that before we feel uncomfortable with them? Where humility says, I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to go out of my way to say hello and how are you going and be genuine and think and listen to that person. You may, they know, God's not saying they become your best friend but you win them and you break down those hidden, passive, aggressive, pride things. God's auditing us. Why? So that we become like him. God says it, there is no choice. It's a, almost a deal breaker. 
If we don't deal with our pride and humble ourselves, God says, I cannot help you. He resists the proud. And I don't want that because I need God. Man, do I need God. While humility is a really highly pursued virtue among men, it is essential that if we're going to restore the image and Christ-likeness of God and help restore truth, the humility of Christ should not be seen as a new experience for God. This wasn't God's first effort of humility. God in his nature is humble. It seems hard for us to believe, but God is not impressed with talent. Wow. Look at the Western church. What is the criticisms? One man leads it all. Now, there's a pastor who who shepherds and oversees it. Where's the auditing? We would look at, say, the traditional churches like the Catholics or Anglicans. Oh, they have one leader, the archbishop or the pope, and someone, that's not right, it's a hierarchical system. Ours is different. The Bible says not many gifts did he give to one individual. He spreads them. Why? So that no one takes the pride to themselves. Why do they fall? We look at these people, we point the fingers at leaders of churches and don't oh, what's something? They must have been corrupt in the first place. No, they're human like us. And we don't have a culture that encourages them to be audited, to be accountable. Who speaks into their life? But we follow them. Oh, look how talented and swish and good they look. And we bag them and say, oh, that's all wrong. But I'm going to tell you, God is auditing the church as much as he did with the early church in the book of Revelation and the letters Paul sent to the churches. He said, when he went to churches, it wasn't just the book of Revelation. He said, I, you know, he wrote to churches and the one about communion to the Corinthian church. There's fighting and squabbles amongst you at communion time. This wasn't an evil church. It was a normal type of church. But Paul was auditing them. They had a pastor in charge, but the letter wasn't just to him. He had to read it and look at it. And there's a a stronger sense of responsibility for him, but he's writing to everyone in the church. Why? So that the, the look of the church reflected who God was. And people looked at it and said, there's real humility in there. I remember that guy that he used to be, you know, the captain of the football team and that, and he was aggressive and physical and all this sort of thing. But the guy is so humble now. I tell you, no one is put off by humility. Everyone's attracted to it. I want to be around humble people because they make me feel normal. The Bible says... In James 4, 5, God gives grace to the humble. And he says in other places, God won't reject a broken and a contrite spirit. He's attracted to them. Isaiah 53, talking about Jesus, a man acquainted with griefs and sorrow. What does it mean? He understands what it's like to be bent over in the garden of Gethsemane. He, why did he cry? Oh, we spiritualise it. Oh, because he was going to be separated from the Father and all his glory. No, because he couldn't be connected. He was alone. Why have you all forsaken me? See, we don't see that as humility. 
God humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. And he went to the garden for us. Broken. If God gives grace to the humble, that's where I want to be. And today is not a thing, oh, we've got so much pride in the church. It's not that. When God sees what's happening in the church, because he, he's so loving and humble, he comes time and time and time again to call them. I came to you, but you weren't listening. The letters to all the churches, Paul's instruction is, listen to what I'm saying. Be obedient. Obedient, what goes with humility? Obedience. You know, and, and the, the danger with pride, because where there's no humility, pride sneaks in. And we don't have to be a loud person, a leader or anyone else to have pride. As I said earlier, pride, I believe, is the church has a form of passive aggressiveness where we're just polite but quiet to the people we feel awkward with. Where God's saying, have you tried? Sometimes there's people that, you know, you go there and you've done your best. What God says to reach them and connect with them. And if they don't, that's okay. You don't run from them because there may be another time you try again and reach them because we don't know the hurt and the wounds and the brokenness they're going through. And some of your story may, may be just what they need to hear. How are they going to hear it if they haven't got someone to share that? How will they receive the gospel if they haven't got a messenger? And we think, oh, the messengers are all out the front. No, they're not. They're sitting there in the seat. And with humility, your message goes to where it needs to go. Because in humility, God, if you can use me. We went to my niece's 21st, not this Saturday, last Saturday. A niece that I used to catch up, nieces, two of them, that I used to catch up on my dad's English side when there was a funeral. But when we moved a year ago, guess what? We moved close to my cousin. She sold up and moved almost within half a kilometre of us. And we, so we've been catching up regularly. And we went to a, a, um, an engagement and of my second cousin, 21st. Why did I say engagement? Because her, her partner was there. Her partner was there. And these are all non-Christian people, you know. And it was, I had such fun. Because what we do, like a small group, we practice how to encourage one another. We share stories and we speak blessing into someone's life and speak, speak potential into someone's life. And I was just doing that. To one young guy, 19, one lady who was 45 or something like that. And my cousin's fiancé who grew up in foster care and attached herself to me and Judy. And there was our shadow the whole night following us. <laughs> and, I, and I was just so excited because what we did at life groups and the young adults when we used to have that, what God showed me to do, I, you can do this in the community. I'm 60, nearly 68 years old next week. And we can do this in the community and it works. Why? Because I come to the point... You know, I've got nothing, Lord, except my own story. But if you can use me, that's my mindset. It's been for a long time. If you can use me, and I was shocked 
we went home, didn't get home till one o'clock, and I was ready to go at 9.30, typical me, you know. God, and I, I was in shock. And it just humbles you to know that God can take us with our story. Oh, I'm nobody. I bet you, you lovely ladies here, I bet you're guilty of saying, oh, I'm not really anybody, haven't you? I haven't really got much to say or to do. I'm sure you said that. But the rest of will say, yes, you have. Yes, you have. And you know why? Because you're beautiful, humble. In our eyes, you're beautiful, humble people. You've got plenty to say. Don't cut yourself off. The enemy will say you're nobody. Yeah, I'm just like my God. I'm just like my Saviour. This is the road less taken. Humility. Broad is the way, and we think broad is the way of sin and debauchery and all that. No, no. Broad is the way of pride. What was the first sin that got Satan? Pride. I'll be elevated. And sadly, I, I'm guilty. I used to be, a, as you know, I used to be a minister. In my early days, I was caught up in the culture of the organisation, you know, success, numbers, looking you know, good. There was all unspoken things. And I felt terrible because I didn't have the numbers to tell them when we caught together. See, I might have been feeling less of a person, but it was pride in me but I had nothing to be too proud about, so I felt bad. And yet the stories, you know, I was working at a school and out of that relationship for three years, if I'd gone on, on the, the, the guidelines of what the church expected, you know, how many people did you get to this church or that church or the youth group? But to my knowledge, there's three young women, or they're not probably that young now, they're probably middle 30s or something or 40 or that got saved out of relationship. And how much pride to stop me rejoicing in the success of the Holy Spirit in ministering and reaching those people. We can't measure ourselves against other people. That's what pride wants us to do. You know, fallen leaders, Christian leaders, reflect the fallen community. It's a culture. I, I don't point fingers at them. In fact, I look at these things on TV and I see the righteous leaders berating them and going through a whole list of them. You'd know them all because many of you followed their ministries and they're still in ministry. And I knew, I said, the people that are condemning them and pointing the finger, to me and my understanding, are just as guilty because the Bible doesn't say that. It says, pray for those who have fallen. <laughs> Pray for those and the Holy Spirit will deal with it and those people relating to them. Instead, we should be the living example of humility and truth, not denying truth and, and excusing sin and whatever those things, if those things are exposed. But I want to encourage you. I really do want to encourage you. The path less taken. Here's a couple of things yesterday the Holy Spirit got me to write down. Humility is a daily response to people, life challenges, and God's voice. It's a daily thing. The Bible never says to us, ask me for humility and I'll give it to you. That's a dangerous thing to ask for. Don't ask for that. Don't ask for that. The Bible says, and Ben has shared it in that scripture, and other times those who have preached 
It doesn't say ask for humility. It says be humble. It's a choice. And you know the powerful thing, the power in that, no one can take it away from you. You choose to be humble. Who can, who can take that away from you? No one. Humility puts full responsibility in our hands. Not the pastor, not the leaders in the church. Oh, the enemy did this and he did that. He does that. But what did Jesus do? See, it's the path least taken and least understood. Because when the enemy said, come on, show me who you are. Turn the stones into bread. He wanted him to be proud. He tried to trick Jesus into being proud. And he said, submit to God. And through those examples, he said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll what? Flee. Flee. Where people say, come on, you've got to be stronger in prayer. You've got to be more powerful. No, no, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Because he hates humility. Humility is not a one-time experience. People say, oh, well, you know, you... Re- you know, when did you repent and I got saved? Repentance is a daily thing. It's not putting yourself down. God, I'm sorry, I've stumbled again. Help me. And you just say, well, okay, go and apologise to that person. I've had apologised recently at school because it's so easy to get caught up in gossip about bad things. Politicians, the Bible says, don't bag your politicians, pray for them. Who bags the politicians? I'm guilty. Who bags bad leaders, especially in their workplace or something? I'm guilty. I'm forever asking God's forgiveness. (laughs) Humility's closest attribute is honesty. Humility is taking a look in the mirror, an honest look at ourselves. Because the world says, you can do it, you're beautiful. We watch a lot of those, uh, what I call reality shows. You can do it, you're beautiful, you're worthy. Well, we are, but only through what God's done. See, it's so close to the truth. And the Bible prophesies in the last days men will be, and women will be lovers of themselves. Pride will be a hallmark of the end times. How do we know that's true? Let's do a selfie. It's true. Self, self. Back in our day, oh, you know, don't put yourself forward. Don't focus on yourself. And, you know, that was true. There was the teaching. But now, no, you're worthy. You're worthy because you've been, people have been mistreated. But the world will say, fight back. Get some help. Demand your rights. And one of the worst sneaky things that's got into today's church is rights. This is my right as a Christian. It's not right that they should be rude to me. And I've heard that recently. Mature Christians my age, in our congregation. It's not right someone should talk to me like that. It's not right this and that. My generation. It sneaks in. And think because it's not right, we judge others by the standard which we should be looking in the mirror to judge ourselves. When humility's there, we should be encouraged by another. That's right, pray for them if that's the case. But let's show them humility. My age should be demonstrating humility. And they do quite often. Many of them, maybe not me, so often. 
Humility doesn't require us to be self-deprecating. Humility is not about having a low self-image or a poor self-image. Humility is about self-awareness, being honest with who we are and where we're at. Because if you do that, God can take those bits and make a beautiful, create a beautiful bowl out of it, like the potter and the clay. God is asking that we take a good long look in the mirror and see ourselves for who we truly are. And after that, to have the courage to ask for help. How often do you hear Christians saying, and especially mature Christians, I need some help with that. Why? We're embarrassed. Embarrassment can be a little bit form of pride. Yeah, our humility allows, listen to this, this is so good. I, didn't, I can't take credit for this comment. Our humility allows God's intervention. Think about it. Our humility allows God's intervention, which means if we, I'll get through this, I can do it, I'll pray more, I'll read more, I'll do this, you know, whatever, and some practical things. If I do that, we'll get on top. No, no, God's admit where we're at. God, I need help. This has come up again. This temptation's come up again. Be honest with it, admit it, and then God says, I can help you now. Humility is about coming to grips with our humanity. Remember someone preached recently about what, uh, you know, the word hummus or hummus? Hummus? What does it mean? Earth. It means being down to earth. It doesn't mean being trodden on. Because I've heard so many Christians say, we're not meant to be a doormat. I'm sick of people walking on me. Yeah. It's common outside the church, but... all too common in the church. A humble man can be taken at face value, or woman. Humanity, humility, sorry, begins by emptying ourselves of ourselves. It is about coming to God without agenda and without reservation. And maybe today, you know, what if we did that in our life as individuals and as a congregation, how easy it is for people when they come in that never know the way of salvation These people are just so transparent, so down to earth, so humble. I'll just follow their example. So the fact that Jesus has provided all the way, they can do it. I can do it. But we've got to tell them, now pray this prayer. Repeat after me. It's in here. God's saying, show them the way. You know what the church was called in the early days? The way. Why? Because the church showed them the way. They didn't have to be told much about the gospel that Jesus is the son of God. He died for you. But this is the way. I love Star Wars and some of those things. You know, I love it. Mandalorian. When they they come on a good thing and they make a statement, this is the way. And they'll say, this is the way. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Isn't it true? If we live that life and we see someone just being the example of godly humility, we say, that's the way. When we see little kids doing things that are right, what do we say? That's the way. Come on, boy. Come on, girl. That's the way. Humility. So we're going to finish up. Humility brings us to God not out of obligation, but out of gratitude. Humility demands nothing. 
of God, nor in any way even consider claiming any rights or position. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And he demonstrated that's the way to glory and eternal power. And it's the way through situations most times as well. But the enemy will say, no, 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 you can't do it. You've got to stand up for yourself. It's not right. Every follower of Jesus Christ has at least once walked in humility. You may have recovered quickly, but repentance requires humility. You hear that? You may have recovered quickly. Give me a humility experience. We are not only to come to God in humility, but to live in humility throughout our lives. Humility is most practically expressed in submission. The proud will not submit themselves to anyone. Ooh. If we are to live where God lives, we must become as God is. And what does he say? God dwells in the place of humility and brokenness. He's attracted to it. But sometimes the thinking the world has snuck in the life of the church, you know, that's powerful. Only the teachable heart will embrace whatever truth is needed for the moment. And today I hope that you've got a courageous heart to embrace, hopefully through my... <laughs> I, I always feel humble after I speak because I think, oh, I've spluttered and, and got half a dozen things. God, helping to take something out of what I've said. <laughs> and I'm sure the Holy Spirit can do that. If we're not teachable, then we're not... Tra no transformation. If you're not teachable, there's no transformation. But you know what? Sometimes God uses... See, Pastor Ben's easy to listen to, isn't he? It's easy to take instruction from him. But I guarantee, and I won't say me, but I guarantee there's other people in church who are in charge of this or that or something else. Maybe not this church, but other churches. It's hard when they ask you to do something. It's just like the being bossy and, you know, and all this, you know. So guess what? Guess who God will probably put you near? The one who's hard to take instruction from. Why? So he's helping that humility become a reality. Because often that grating, it's someone that might remind you of a, an abusive stepfather or, or something else or something else, you know, or a teacher that was just, or kids that bullied you. How does God counteract and deal with those things? He brings humility in powerful ways. Jesus demonstrated that life. The disciples demonstrated that life. And can we say it's probably demonstrated in the church today? Mm -mm. I want to be part of the church that really demonstrates that. It's powerful. It will influence your group of friends outside the church and it will influence it. And having opportunity to have non-church people come in, ooh. If we're not teachable, there's no transformation. If we're unwilling to listen, we are incapable of learning. This is why Jews, Jesus, Jews, Jesus called us to, be, to make disciples and be disciples. Where's my last little page? I think that's it. That's it. Good. Nothing that's jumped out of the page. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the privilege of sharing with your people and my family. I pray that It'd be easy for some of us to take on board what's been said, but some of us may be struggling 
because it rattles a lot of habits and thoughts that we've hung on to and cling to for so long. Lord, if you have a transformed congregation, you can transform a community. Help us to be those humble people that walk in humility, not only with you, but with one another. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.